Good evening. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 Dean Radio. I am Adam Wright along with Justin Tucker and CJ Medeiros. Our school has all moved in at uh, Dean College, so we all had our move-in day, me, Justin, and CJ. And I got to say, we're not exactly ready for classes just yet. And first day of classes is tomorrow on Wednesday, as this episode is being recorded on Tuesday. How do you guys feel about that, that we have classes literally tomorrow? I'm not happy. I wish they would give us like a day just to reassimilate, but no, we're, we're, we're uh, hitting the ground running. Yeah, so I was move. I was living in a completely different dorm. I was in uh, this uh, apartment complex called the Condos, or the Franklin Commons, over... Uh, a little bit off campus and I just moved. So that was a little bit of extra work and it's hard to compute that we actually have school. Uh, but anyways, we do have a show planned that we should talk about and we have a lot planned for you guys tonight. The wildcard matchups are all finished up. Divisional round matchups are set and we do have, as always, the fan box in an alternate form of our Sunday's best, as I mentioned before. And but let's start out with the Bengals and the Raiders, where Cincinnati won their first playoff game in 31 years. All right, so Cincinnati beat Las Vegas 26 to 19 in their first playoff victory in 31 years. We spoke about this team earlier in the year as contenders in the future, you know, in in a couple of years' time. But what if they're contenders, you know, right now, like this, like this postseason? You know, they've I, I've I picked this team to uh, to lose in the first round. I thought they weren't they weren't quite ready. They have a glaring weakness on that offensive line, but it's prove it's proven that you know if it if it's if that front seven for the opposing team isn't their strength, then Cincinnati doesn't struggle quite as much. And we saw that against Las Vegas. I mean, they do have Max Crosby, but they really weren't able to get to him as as much as we thought they would. And so, what do we make of the Cincinnati Bengals right now. They're contenders because they're in the playoffs. I will have to give them credit for surviving as long as they did. They finally broke their 31-year playoff list, playoff winless streak uh, last Sunday. So congratulations to them, begrudgingly. With that said, they are contenders because they are still in the playoffs and they're still in the dance. I didn't think they'd be in the dance as of right now. I thought the Raiders were going to win. But hats off to them. It angers me that they're still around. But, yeah, they can be considered contenders, but I don't expect them to make it past the the divisional round against Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I'm used, you know, I'm, I'm just – I just care out my head around the Bengals being contenders. I'm used to them being terrible. But, hey, Joe Burrow is that guy. I mean, they call him Joey Franchise for a reason. Uh, and look at – and look at that offense. Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, C.J. Uzama. These guys can drop 21 at the drop of a hat. And, and I mean, I know you guys were kind of treating the Cincy Vegas game as more of a coin flip. I was a bit more certain of my pick of Cincinnati. But honestly, yeah, uh, I'm not shocked they beat Vegas just because of that offensive firepower. However, do I think they're going to go all the way? Uh, Probably not. I would say that I do expect them to get eliminated. 
you know, against the Titans. Because defense wins championships, you know? And I am not impressed with their defense. And if they have to go up against a team, like Justin mentioned, where their front seven is their strength, I'm not going to – I'm really not going to expect a whole lot from them, considering the fact that Titans have game records like Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons up front. So I thought, like I said before, when we first started this segment a couple seconds ago, I did not see this team going very far, even if they got past the Raiders, just because just because that offensive line is just it's just it, it needs so much work. And I thought they're really close. They're a good offensive line away from being legitimate contenders in this league. And it turns out, uh, you know, they I mean, they, they it's it's not maybe it's not as much of a weakness as we think it is. And it's one of those offensive lines where, yeah, if they go up against a good front seven, then they can, uh, then they'll end up struggling. But they didn't really see, I didn't see much, much issue uh, on those front lines, that offensive line versus that front seven. I really didn't see an issue with that. So, you know, this Bengals team will go as far as the offensive line will let, will allow them to. But as soon as there is, there's issues, I pointed out a statistic uh, when I put out my bracket, that uh, the Cincinnati Bengals in games where uh, Joe Burrow is sacked four times or more, they're two and four. And that one game, and one of those two games was in Week One, where the Vikings lost on a chip shot field goal that they should have made. So it, it, it's not like they the wins they're getting are are legitimate. Well, there was the Chiefs game that where he was sacked four times and was able to beat him. That was legit. But the other one, so they technically should be what like one in five when when he's when he's on his ass half the time. Anyways, I think now that they have the Titans coming up, man, that's actually going to be a good game because their front set tight. The Titans front seven is good, but I mean it's not among the elite. So since so since he could actually make a make they they could make this a game. I actually could see it. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. So you you hope not, or is that what? Give give us your give us your unbiased opinion, Justin. Take the Ravens bias out of it. If I take the Ravens bias out of it, they have the potential to beat the Tennessee Titans because I don't believe Tennessee is absolutely healthy right now. If Tennessee was fully healthy, then yeah, I believe it's a foregone conclusion in, in that one because I don't believe that line will be able to protect Joey Burrow the entire game, and I think that game will be a lot closer than it would be than it was for the Raiders because I don't know if they can stop Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry is back now, and I'm not sure if he's 100%, but an 80% Derrick Henry is still giving me 100 yards of production. So with that said, if they can't stop the run, it's going to be a long day for them. That means the Tennessee Titans have more possessions than the Bengals have, and it's going to be more problems for them. They do have the potential to win, but I don't expect them to. Yeah, sure thing. But it'll be we'll have to wait and see, and we will preview that game in a few minutes. Uh, when we get to it, actually, we're gonna get to that right, get to that next, where we preview the AFC matchups for the divisional round. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power Eighty Eight. I'm Adam Wright with Justin Tucker, CJ Medeiros. We're on to the divisional round in this year's football season, and it ha- has been a very good year, but. Here we are going on to the AFC, where we have two very intriguing matchups that will be happening this weekend, which will be Buffalo at Kansas City and Cincinnati at Tennessee. So, guys, 
uh, give us this what which of these matchups you're kind of most uh, intrigued by, so to speak. CJ. Thanks. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. So for me, I'm most intrigued by Buffalo and Kansas City. This is obviously a rematch last year's AFC Championship game. This, to me, I know it's not the one seed in this game, but I feel like it's a real clash of the titans. You have two of like, the bright stars of the future and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, both of whom are coming off five touchdown games where they obliterated their opponents. And, I mean, we always talk about the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. This feels like unstoppable force against unstoppable force. Two high-flying offenses about a collide headfirst and, you know, just made the better team win. Now, the reason this game intrigues me is Buffalo's defense. Yeah, they lost Tredavious White, and it hurts, but they still have guys like Levi Wallace and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer patrolling the secondary. And their front seven isn't great, but it's solid. I mean, they've got a good group of linebackers with guys like Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds. And, you know, up front, you've got Ed Oliver, you know, big run stuffer. And, you know, you got guys like Jerry Hughes coming on the edge, which helps. But I like Buffalo's defense infinitely more than I like Kansas City's. You know, Kansas City's defenses look really weak at times. And which is weird because Kansas City's defense kind of has the whole Jekyll and Hyde thing going on where sometimes they're the only reason Kansas City's in a game and other times they're getting walked all over. But if they could shut down Stephon Diggs, uh, Josh Allen might have to spread the ball around and that could that could hurt them. But that being said, I still like Kansas City just because it's just their offense is just a bit more explosive than Buffalo's. And also, the Kansas City pass rush is way better than Buffalo's. And if they can keep a lid on Josh Allen's mobility, he's going to have to air it out, and hopefully your secondary can win the battle. But this game, to me, definitely feels like a coin flip. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think this is going to be a clash between two franchise quarterbacks, one being Josh Allen, one being Patrick Mahomes. I believe the winner of this will take precedence over the other because in the AFC Championship, Patrick Mahomes basically walked over the Buffalo Bills into the Super Bowl, and Josh Allen walked over the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season this year. So I believe that this will let them show the world who is a top-tier quarterback and who is beneath them right now. Because as great as Patrick Mahomes has been, as of lately, he doesn't seem that special right now. As for the other matchup, I'm, I'm actually more interested in the Cincinnati versus Tennessee game. I actually want to know if Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry of old. I want to see how that Tennessee defense matches up against the Cincinnati offense because I'm not sure that the Tennessee defense has the weapons in the secondary that the Cincinnati Bengals have on the off- offensive side of the ball. I think they're going to have to double-team Jamar Chase, but if you do that – who's going to handle Tyler Boyd, and who's going to handle T. Higgins. And those are the questions you have to figure out at the end of the day. I'm not going to let Jamar Chase beat me. The other two receivers have to beat me. And Joe Burrow's going to have to throw up tough balls for for everybody else to answer. And so that's the matchup I'm looking forward to the most. So this is certain. So I, I'm actually going to double up with Justin here because I feel like Buffalo and, and Kansas City – 
that's a that's a game where I mean it's it's pretty straightforward. It's a it's a coin flip on who wins. But Cincinnati at Tennessee, it could go any way. You know, I could see either team just running away with it, and I could also see it going down to the final down to the final play. I really don't know how this game is going to go because uh, we're not, we're still trying to figure out what Cincinnati is. We thought they were a team that was kind of, you know, they they put up big numbers, but they're not really ready to contend. But then they just won. Then they just won the other day, and they weren't even, you know, they they weren't even even phased by their the their lack of production at the offensive line. Actually, they didn't even the offensive line was fine. So and Tennessee also doesn't does not they're not known for bringing pressure. So you wonder how these two offenses are going to match up and if if uh, one is going to be able to uh, to contain the other. So you know. Cincinnati Cincinnati has become one of those teams where we really don't know what they are. They could end up in the AFC Championship, the health, the Super Bowl maybe. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're still figuring out what they are. I kind of I kind of know what Tennessee is. They're that one team that um is be, is able to make some noise during the regular season, even during the postseason, but eventually they're going to meet their match who pu- who punches them in the mouth. It's happened every year where they've been in the in the postseason. And I feel like that's going to happen at some one point or another. So I'm really interested in this matchup. I think this is going to be a good one. Yeah, a, a bit on the Bengals in Tennessee. Uh, I just I, I I know you said Tennessee's not a unit that's known for bringing pressure, but when, when you look at it, they have two absolute game wreckers up front with Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons. This season, the defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons, I believe, has eight and a half sacks, and Harold Landry, I believe, has 12. And when you look at the Bengals' O-line, I remember when I was watching the Bengals and Raiders go, uh, the commentators commented that... uh, the left side of the Bengals' O-line is really strong with Williams and uh, I forget the name of their left guard. But the right side of their line is honestly god-awful. And if you could overpower that right side and you could put Burrow on the ground, uh, he'd probably be able to hit Chase while he's being sacked, I think. And this comes with the fact that uh, I trust the Titans' defense more than I trust the Bengals' defense. I really do. And, you know, they also have guys like Kevin Bayard in the secondary. You have Rashawn Evans, the linebacker, and Jayon Brown, another good linebacker. But when you look at the Cincy defense, a defense that's known for struggling against the run, they have to go up against the boss man himself, King Henry. And who and who are you going to put on uh, A.J. Brown? And even Julio has shown he still has a little bit of gas left. So I just... I feel like the Titans are just, I don't know how to put it. They just seem more solid than the Bengals. The Bengals have amazing highs and just deadly lows. And for that, I'm leaning toward the Titans, frankly. I still think it's a coin flip because I think you're, I think you're under, you're also underselling the Bengals defense. Like, yeah, the, the Titans defense has a lot of, uh, has a lot of pieces, but so do the Bengals. Trey Hendrickson, uh, Eli Apple's been having a decent year. I'm forgetting about the other kids. Yeah, but I trust the Titans line more than I trust the Bengals, though. Also, it doesn't about, matter who your linemen are if Derrick Henry runs you over. 
Sure, but it doesn't matter who the who your uh, defensive backs are if Jamar Chase is blowing past you or the T. Higgins and yeah, Tyler Boyd. Yeah, it doesn't Boyd's matter the if they're blowing past you if Burrow's on his butt all the time. But, you know, well, we'll agree yeah. to disagree. We'll see come game day. Yeah, we'll see come game day. But anyways, we're going to move on to the divisional matchups where we will preview them. So we'll be right back for that. Don't go anywhere. This is the Fumble Ruski podcast. This is the Fumble Ruski podcast. I'm Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros and Justin Tucker. We are on to the NFC divisional round. And for the NFC, we have a couple of juicy matchups. Starting with San Francisco at Green Bay, assuming that San Francisco has all their pieces at their disposal, and follow, followed by Los Angeles at Tampa Bay. So guys, uh, same as last segment where we previewed the AFC matchups, which of these matchups are you most intrigued by? Oh, this is a tough one. This, this is actually a tough one. This is harder than the AFC because all four teams are legitimate. I feel have legitimate chances of going to the Super Bowl. I can't, the one I want to see the most is the Green Bay versus San Francisco game. I just like the dynamics. For, uh, the 2019 uh, NFC Championship game between these two, I saw a run game that the Green Bay Packers just could not stop, like at all. Raheem Mozart had a day, over 200 yards rushing and like, I want to say four touchdowns. He could not be stopped that day. And it's not something that the Packers have been successful at stopping the run. And as you saw against the Cowboys, they can rush from a myriad of directions with Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuels. They have a myriad of weapons at their disposal. So the Green Bay Packers cannot stop their because that's how good they are at running the ball. However, the problem for the San Francisco 49ers is they're not the uh, the Green Bay Packers aren't beat up as they used to be. They have Jair Alexander coming back, and they have Zadarius Smith coming back. Two all-pro caliber studs coming back at the right time to help that defense finish strong and help advance them to the NFC Championship game. So I think this is going to be a battle. I think this is going to be a nip-and-tuck game, and I don't think it's going to be easy on Aaron Rodgers either because that pass rush ain't no joke. Just ask Dak Prescott last Sunday about that pass rush of Nick Bosa and Tariq Armstead. And so I hope it's a great matchup, and I hope Green Bay wins. Uh, uh, yeah, Justin, I agree. Also, one thing about the Green Bay game is that uh, they just also happen to have uh, David Bakhtiari back for them for the O-line. He should help uh, keep Nick Bosa at bay. So there's that. Now... For me, I personally like the Tampa and L.A. Rams game. Because think about it. This is obviously a rematch of earlier this season where L.A. waltzed right up to Tampa Bay and smacked him around. And if you ask me, L.A. has only gotten stronger. They lost Robert Woods, but now they have Odell Beckham. And on top of that, they have Cam Akers back, who's running like mm -hmm. his old self as you know, as he was last week. And what's interesting about Tampa is they just happen to be shorthanded. No Antonio Brown, no Chris Godwin. 
We don't even know if playoff Lenny is going to be there. But mm-hmm. if you're going to run with Keyshawn Vaughn, no, Aaron Donald's going to eat that up. And, and you know, you have guys like Jalen Ramsey, who's going to who's gonna have his hands full with Mike Evans. But Mike Evans, I'm hearing, is still a little banged up. So Ramsey might have the upper hand there. And, you know, Gronk's always someone to look out for. But playoff Brady, we all know, is a different animal. But the Rams beat them before, and they've only gotten better since. And I would argue that they can do it again. So, and look, you all, everyone listening knows I'm a Tom Brady fan. This isn't necessarily easy for me to say, but uh, I kind of like the Rams in this matchup. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, if any of you want to chime in, tell me I'm wrong, go right ahead. You mean the Pokemon You're wrong. beast that lost to Eli Manning two times? Yeah, that beast. You hurt me. They won, He won seven Super Bowls. Give me a break. All right. But I, I'm, actually, I'm actually the same way with, um, with the L.A. Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm a little nervous about this game because I think – that the Rams have what it takes to beat beat them, and they've already beaten them twice during Tom Brady's tenure there. They're just a team that matches up very well with the Buccaneers. There you have three players who are ver- who are capable of beating any offensive line and getting and getting to the quarterback in Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, and Aaron Donald. And uh, they have two very good defensive backs where if you're able to pressure Tom Brady and force him to throw an inaccurate, an, an, imp- an imperfect ball where they're able to they're able to make you pay for it. So that's a team where I really think when it whenever they have a really solid offense uh, front seven and they're able to, to pressure Tom Brady, that's usually when the Buccaneers are in trouble. And that's something that I'm I'm really nervous about. I the only reason I have I still have the Patri- the bu- sorry the Buccaneers going to the Super Bowl is out of respect for Tom Brady because I'm just done be- I'm just bu- done betting against him. But this is a team that is th- this is a team that uh, that on the other side has this is the same way. They have a they have a great front seven, and uh, they still have a very capable. Uh, secondary, and I think the Buccaneers are going to be able to make more plays, and they have the quarterback to do it. Mm-hmm. Sounds like the typical Brady lover himself. I'm just saying, I just they, you have Matthew Stafford against Tom Brady at a big at a big stage. Tom Tom Brady's going to to pull it off, and uh, Matt Stafford is going to crack, and that's what's going to do it. But I wouldn't I wouldn't put put it past them to lose this game e- either because the the Rams have have proven to be a be a very bad uh very bad matchup for them. But anyways, uh up next we are going on to what I believe is the Sunday's best. Is that correct? Yes, we are. So Sunday's best is coming up and you're not going to want to miss this one. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. I'm Adam Wright with Justin Tucker and CJ Medeiros. So, uh, pardon my mistake, but Sunday's best is over. But this week we are giving you Wild Cards Best, which is the same thing, except we're picking the best game out of 
all the wild card round games, uh, which is where we review the best matchup from the wild card round, and we pick the most thrilling, entertaining game for you guys every week now, including the postseason. So our wild card's best pick was drum roll, 49ers at Cowboys. So yes, sir. This was a game yes, sir. where going into it, a lot of I mean, a lot of people were very skeptical just because it was the Cowboys. Even though the the 49ers only had what a 10 and 7 record, they finished two games worse than the Cowboys. Everybody was mm-hmm. like, ah, and boy, were they right to feel that way. So the 49ers had the lead the entire game, including a 23 to 7 lead towards the end of the third. Uh, the Cowboys then scored 10 points in the fourth and got. The ball twice in the last two minutes. They pulled to within six at 23-17. to 17. So a one-score game, a touchdown, and an extra point takes the lead. In the final seconds, with the ball, I mean, slightly past midfield, Dak Prescott decides to do a quarterback draw. They get about to the 25-yard line, and they, weren't, they were unable to get a snap off in time for the play. The, uh, the ref actually wasn't able to, get, to keep up with the play and get back to the get to touch the ball before per the rules to uh to get a play started uh mm-hmm. so final seconds ticked off triple zeros game ended abruptly so the final score is 23 to 17 the cowboys lose in the most cowboy way possible when it comes to the postseason but boys what are your thoughts on this game i know a lot of cowboys fans are upset <laughs> At how the game ended. But ask yourself, Cowboys fans, should it, with all your talent and with Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs on defense, should it have ever gotten to a point when you were down like that? When you were down that badly? You know, 23 to 7? No, it should not have. It is your own fault. You put yourself in that situation. You have all the talent in the world on offense, a decent O-line, a top 10 quarterback, a top 10 running back, arguably a top 10 receiver, uh, and probably like a top 20 receiver as well. You you get to switch which is which, and, and a top 10 tight end. You have no excuses to lose this, and you do. And uh, you know I'm also going to blame Mike McCarthy for this. Because you already know how I feel about Mike McCarthy and his coaching ability or lack thereof. But, you know, let's just flash forward, you know, to when they, uh, you know, at that time, to, or flashback, I mean, to when they ran the draw play. You ran a draw with 14 seconds left and no timeouts up the middle when everyone's guarding the sidelines and can crash in on you. You don't even try to lateral it to someone who can get out of bounds. You brought that on yourself. And I don't want to hear that the Cowboys were robbed because the umpire, or that ref, you know, that's that's his position, the umpire, has mm. to touch the ball, has to set the ball before you snap. And the Cowboys seem to have forgotten that rule. It is their own fault they lost. Even Tony Romo pointed it out. And no, I'm sorry, you were not robbed. You ju- you quite literally forgot the rules, and it is your own fault. That is all. 
<laughs> How many times I got to tell y'all? They, they get in their own way. They're an accident waiting to happen, as Stephen A. Smith once said. They would, Whatever can go wrong will go wrong with this team, no matter what they do. You see them in the regular season. They're all star-studded with Market Parsons, Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Swords. You'll think, all right, they might do a little something in the playoff. Come playoff time, come crunch time, they disappear. They do a folding act. It is unbelievable how many times they do it. Dak Prescott in big games always falls behind, but always manages to have gaudy stats later on Later on in the game to make it seem like, oh, he was playing really well. No, he, no, he wasn't. He played terrible those first three quarters. And to be honest, if Jimmy G wasn't such a terrible quarterback in the second half, this game wouldn't have been close because he had Brandon Ayuk wide open. If he gives it to him, that's a touchdown on who else but Trayvon Diggs, who everybody thought was a first-team all-pro corner. And there were other people more deserving of that, like J.C. Jackson and A.J. Terrell. But we'll get to that. That's another topic for another day. Then, all of a sudden, 14 penalties. They're going to blame the game on one play, on 14 seconds of time, instead of, like, 14 penalties they've accumulated over time, only scoring seven points for most of the game throughout three quarters of the game, then all of a sudden they start scoring touchdowns late in the fourth thing and they had a chance. It's the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy always messes it up for them because he can't manage the game clock properly for them. And then that draw, that QB draw should have never been called. It should have never been a priority. If I'm the offensive coordinator, I'm throwing, I'm taking shots either to the end zone or taking shots to where my receiver can get his feet inbounds and then immediately go out of bounds so they can take to get another play towards the end zone. Or I'm just taking a shot towards the end zone. It was ridiculous from jump to go. Jimmy G kept them in this game. And the, Dow- the Dallas Cowboys had no one to blame but themselves for this loss. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. It always happens to them. It's no surprise, except to Dallas Cowboys fans. So this is a team where I looked at it and I said, this team has a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. You know, I I kind of discounted the fact that they're the Dallas Cowboys because I thought I know I don't I understand what people are saying when they say, well, they're going to choke because they do a lot. But I said, well, that's kind of just lazy analysis because this is a new team from all the years past where they would just choke the game away. And I, mm-hmm. I really had faith that this team would be able to pull it off against the 49ers. I did. I thought they have more talent. The the coaching isn't going to be great, but it's not like they have a postseason drought. They've been very, they just they're just not a, a very choky team later in the in the postseason. They have a few postseason wins, so I thought okay, they'll win this game and then they'll lose to the Buccaneers and then they'll lose in Cowboys fashion. No, they had to do it this week. They did it this week where they were facing against the 49ers, who had only won 10 games and lost seven games this year and are playing with a quarterback who is barely even a starter right now with Trey Lance breathing down his neck and a you know a team that's been banged up all season long and and they got even more banged up later on in this game when they lost Fred Warner and Nick Bosa for the game which is by the way the same stretch where they started to come back so the only reason we, you can make a case the only reason they played they played they actually got back into this game is number 1 what Justin said about Jimmy Garoppolo playing poorly but also how their def- uh, all, both of their best def- defensive players got hurt so 
it's just unbelievable. And the play calling, they just, they did not come to play. I don't know what it is with this Dallas Cowboys team, but how does this happen? I even tried to take my bias against the Cowboys out of this, and they still let me down. What the hell is going on with this team? Seriously. I'm, I had faith in them. I predicted they would win. I put them in, at, in the win column in my bracket for the – oh, my too. God. But wiser now. They screwed up my, my playoff bracket, and so did the, so did the Raiders because I, I had some – I had faith in them too. But I, that was quite, kind of a bold prediction. I acknowledge that. But this was just – come on, man. Come on. Oh, my God. Just what – like another year, another – Oh my God! This Cowboys team. Adam, it's just embarrassing. Riches Adam. of talent. Four thousand yard quarterback, thousand yard receiver, thousand oh, yeah. yard running back, ten plus sack linebacker, eleven plus interceptions from Tate and Trayvon Diggs. Bounced in the first round. All right. They don't even well, we do. They wait. Don't even yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, guys. Before we end, I would just like to ask the audience one question: How about them Cowboys? Yeah, just checking in to see if y'all still them boys. All right, guys, but we are reaching the end of the show. So we are going to go on to our Fumble Rooski fan box. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Fumble Rooski, the the Fumble Rooski podcast. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88. I'm Adam Wright with Justin Tucker, CJ Medeiros. And so now that we've gotten our rant about the Cowboys out of the way, or the, our, day, our, our, uh, our laugh that we got to share, particularly with Justin, I mean, he was having a blast, weren't you? Yeah. With, but we talked about one NL, NL East team, and in our fan box, we are going to go on to another one that also made the playoffs at about, what was it, 10 and 7? 10 and 7, mm-hmm. 9 and 8. Nine yeah, the eight. Eagles. Some of that they were nine and eight. Nine and eight, but they they ha- they did have an impressive finish to the season, but mm-hmm. they lo- they lost in pretty uh, convincing fashion to the Buccaneers. Convincing fashion in the sense that they are just not a very good football team, at least not yet. But uh, so the Fumble Ruski fan box, we post a question box every Monday, and you can respond with hot takes, questions, and more, and we will discuss it and give you a shout out on our podcast respond to next week's fan box question to be featured on our show so the question of the week was what do the eagles need to do to become contenders now so starting with cj he said bring in a competent gm who can make good moves i'm gonna say i gotta say and i said this on the page i don't know i don't know if i agree with that cj look i I think they've actually made you can be dazzled by this year's draft as much as you want but it doesn't change the fact that he's really he had a one exceptional year this season. But overall, Howie Roseman is not a good drafter. He signs people to these awful contracts, and it's just the Eagles have a lot of retirements coming, especially with guys like Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. These guys aren't spring chickens anymore, and I'm not sure Howie Roseman's the guy who can replace them. I genuinely don't think that. And also, he he probably should have been fired a year or two ago, but I am convinced Howie Roseman has got incriminating pictures of somebody, uh, of one of the higher-ups, 
because that's got to be the only reason why he still has a job. That is all. All right. I am sorry. That's my theory. I think he's done a pretty good job of drafting. I I I think think he's done all right. Jalen Rieger, J.J. Arthur, Dallas Goddard. Miles Sanders. Yeah, Miles Sanders. For like every hit, he's got like three misses. This is he traded for Darius Slay. GM. He traded for Darius Slay. He, that's a that, that was a pretty good. That was a pretty good move. Jalen Hurts has been has well, been I'm not even pretty sold good on Jalen Hurts. Come on now. Devontae he Smith can run, but his arm, I question it. All right. Well, anyways, Robert Shelley said God <laughs> and a new fan base. No, their fan base is fine. They're a diehard uh-huh. fan base. They, they need They're their annoying. Fans. You know, they're a passionate fan base. I'm mm-hmm. actually, unfortunately, I I live very close to Eagles country. Oh, and they're passionate, all right. I uh, mm-hmm. I shan't go further about how I feel about their fan base, but if my tone is anything, you can tell. But you're, yeah, you're a Patriots fan. You should expect that. Nah, I mean like. Uh, I'm just I just think Eagles fans have a lot of nerve to talk. Any sort of smack to Patriots fans about about success just because you won one game. Have you noticed and that anytime you create any them have too. you have you noticed that when we create any sort of argument that is you know valid against at an, towards an Eagles fan and they'll just say the final score of Super Bowl Fifty Two? They won't even they won't put any context. They won't say anything. They'll yell cheaters or they'll they'll do some stupid stuff like that. There's just no. Super there's Bowl just 52 no. Fifty-two is all they have. It's literally all they have. That's like their one thing. They, and they, you know, they have and they to can cling have on it. to Good it. for them. Hey, good for them. They can have it. That's just great. You got one shining moment, and then it's back to the abyss with you. Also, Tom Brady finally made a catch against them. Oh. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah oh awesome. yeah, we saw it. He Caught makes it them on the when it doesn't count. He makes them when it doesn't count. Oh well, it he made it so. Secret Weapons Consulting said, "Run the ball," and I gotta say, that's not a bad argument. If you if you re, uh, if you reprioritize this offense and make it run through, uh, make it a run first offense that goes through Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts, you're gonna you're gonna get some results out of that. And then you have you still have Dallas Goddard and uh, what's his name, uh, Devonte Smith Devontae to throw Smith. to. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good team. You just need to figure out that offensive line. Maybe shore up that defense because I mean, run first defense are f- focused on defense and running the ball. But they'll they that could be a good idea. Uh, so you guys have any other thoughts before we end the show here? We them boys. <laughs> Ab. I gotta watch Steven Smith one more time this week. His laugh whenever he talks about the Cowboys, the amount of joy in his eyes, man. All right, guys. Um, good to see him happy. All right. Well, we, you guys enjoy the divisional round. It's going to be a good week. But uh, that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check us out on Spotify, Spreaker, and Google Podcast. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast to keep up with our podcast and the latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we will see you next week over and out.